All right, uh, beginning in verse 25. Romans 11:25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Let's stop there for a moment. Uh, we've got down through the um, the olive tree passage there in the last several verses, and uh, Paul uh, kind of comes to his conclusion of what we've been studying for the last couple of weeks now. In verse 25, he says, "For the uh, the uh, the end of those things that that have gone before, with the uh, wild olive tree being grafted into the to the green olive tree and so forth, and the uh, the wild olive tree eventually being cut off, and the uh, the green olive tree being grafted uh, back in." Paul says, "For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery." lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So Paul uh, says here and kind of encapsulates in this verse what we've been saying through this passage of Scripture, through Romans 9, 10, and 11, that the blindness of Israel uh, is partial and temporary. And that's, uh, this verse says that better, uh, uh, more clearly, I think, than any other. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So the, the blindness that we've been seeing, that we've been talking about, is a partial blindness. Paul says some of those branches are broken off. Now that, uh, that some is the nation as a whole. But Paul's point there is that not all. Israel was blinded. Some Jews uh, were coming into the body of Christ in his day, and some uh, obviously unto this day. Jews get saved just like, uh, like Gentile folk into the body of Christ. But Paul says that this, he says, I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, We've gone through this, and we don't have to go back and look at the at the passages. Paul has been quoting scripture after scripture after scripture about the blindness of Israel. The fact that Israel would be blinded is no mystery. We understand what a mystery is. A mystery is something that was not revealed before, was not spoken of by the prophets. Someone's at the door. Was that is that door locked? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Could be Bob. Could be, uh, or it could be Bill coming with his van. He's got a van now. I, I, I think so on the edge, not the door itself, but on the, the landing on the desk can't you? Yeah. Uh, okay. He's nope. always open this door. Up. Nobody there? Okay. Moving along then. 
The blindness of Israel is no mystery. A mystery is something that the prophets didn't speak about, that was not revealed in time past. And Paul has been uh, quoting scripture here, talking about the blindness of Israel. So when he says, I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, uh, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The, The fact that blindness in part has happened to Israel is not the mystery. The mystery is what follows that word until. The the mystery is that through Israel's blindness, the Gentiles would be saved. All those things that he's been talking about in the earlier part of the chapter, that the fall of them is the riches of the world, the diminishing of them is the riches of the Gentiles. Uh, Through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles and so forth. That's the mystery. Uh, that Israel would be blinded is no mystery. Come back with me. Get get a couple of passages. Get Acts chapter 28. We looked at this the other week. Acts chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 6. I'm pretty sure we've looked at both of these, but I want to kind of put them together in connection with, with Romans 11 and verse 25 there and, and see what, uh, what was prophesied. Isaiah 6, Romans 28. Acts 28, what did I say? Romans 28? No, don't go to Romans 28. You'd be here all night trying to find Romans 28. Acts chapter 28, verse um, 24, Paul is is, uh, talking to the Jews uh, from morning until evening, and some believed the things, this is Acts 28, 24, some believed the things that were spoken, some believed not, and when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost, by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. That's the blindness we're reading about in chapter 11, Romans 11. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. Now, back in Isaiah chapter 6, where that, uh, where that passage comes from that he just quoted, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet, um, here in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 9 and following, and he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. So that's what Paul just quoted. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until. So, 
Same as Paul says in Romans chapter 11, blindness has happened to Israel until. But until what? Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. So the uh, uh, the until there, in according to prophecy, the, the Israel is blinded until she is uh, destroyed, until the tribulation comes and the wrath of God is poured out upon those people, and until the Lord comes back. All of those things are prophesied to follow Israel's blindness. And Israel is blinded until those things happen. Now Paul, when he quotes that passage in Acts 28, he quotes it up to, lest they be converted and and I should heal them, at the end of verse 10 here in Isaiah. Then he says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Well, that's not what the prophets said. So that's the the mystery that Jesus Christ has, uh, has come to the Gentiles in the interim. While Israel is blinded, there is a, uh, uh, there's a new thing happening. There's a new until inserted here in, uh, in between the, the, uh, the prophetic events of their blinding and their destruction. Our dispensation that we live in today. Look in, um, look in Luke chapter 21 on your way back to Romans. Luke chapter 21 verse 24 Gospel Luke Luke 21 is the Olivet Discourse that's when they asked Lord what, when shall these things be and what will be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world and he tells them about the earthquakes in diverse places and Jerusalem being compassed about with armies and so forth and uh, Luke 21:24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now you don't want to confuse that the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled with what Paul says in Romans 11 about the fullness of the Gentiles being come in. The times of the Gentiles are that uh, is that time of judgment on the nation of Israel, political judgment that started back with Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon when they uh, carried Israel, Israel away captive. And that nation has not been a sovereign nation uh, ever since. The times of the Gentiles begin there. It was Israel's time up until that, until God finally got uh, tired of them, not not letting the land have its Sabbaths and so forth. And finally he had uh, Nebuchadnezzar come in there and, and take them away. And Israel's time ended, and it began the times of the Gentiles. It's been the times of the Gentiles ever since then. Babylon, Media, Persia, and Greece, and, and, and Rome, and finally the, uh, the kingdom of the Antichrist. All of that composes the times of the Gentiles. So Israel's uh, until is until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So that's 
prophetic that's what the Gentiles are going to be uh, that's where they come into this to this picture is the enemy of Israel the uh, uh, the, the one who who's trotting them down has been since Babylon and will uh, accelerate until the Antichrist again that's different than what we get from Paul because see the, the the difference between the these things and that's it's it's important for us to to hear and to think about and and understand these things there was uh hell about to break forth on the earth here 2000 years ago and these things were uh were coming and were ripe to happen and God instead poured out a, a dispensation of grace such as the world had never seen. It was supposed to be a time of trouble such as the world had never seen. And God instead, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So, so Paul says, look, Israel, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> Israel is blinded back in Romans chapter 11, uh, until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The blindness of Israel uh, today is for our benefit. And that's what Paul's getting to here. He says, and I wouldn't have you to be ignorant of this mystery. Boy, you know, if only the church were not ignorant of this mystery. Amen? Uh, I would not have you to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. Now, there's that again. He keeps saying that. And, and we, we looked at those folks back up in, in, in verse 18 and 19 who are wise in their own conceits and high-minded and boast against Israel. And we saw that, that the boast and the result of that high-mindedness is thinking... Uh, that you've taken Israel's place is the church, the believing or, or uh, uh, professing Gentiles, thinking that they have become Israel. Listen, what is what is it to be wise in your own conceits? What is it to be conceited, but to think you're someone you're not? Well, let me tell you. The vast majority of the professing church for these last uh, nearly 2,000 years has thought that it's someone it's not. It thinks it's Israel. And Paul says, Don't, lest you be wise in your own conceits uh, against Israel, and, and lest you get the, the uh, wrong impression of who you are, that, that the blindness of Israel is partial, and it's temporary. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So the, uh, uh, the blindness of Israel is not only partial and temporary, it's for our benefit. And we are blessed by it. And so, when the fullness of the Gentiles... Now, when is the fullness of the Gentiles going to become in? Well, when, when that passage that we just read about the olive tree... When it comes time to, to cut that thing off. Now you can say, well, it's when the last member of the body of Christ gets saved. Okay. Um, you can say it's when God gets, uh, gets fed up enough with, uh, with, the, with the apostate 
church out here like he talks about in, uh, in, that, in that previous passage and finally just cuts it off. Either way, uh, the, the Gentile world is going to be cut off in the, from this dispensation by the rapture. Once the rapture of the church comes, we are carried away and, uh, and the, the rest of the Gentiles are cut off, the, the, just like Israel was cut off in the beginning of this dispensation. The salvation of God, uh, he, see, here's what happens. The salvation of God was with Israel. They got cut off. The salvation of God came over to the Gentiles. But the fact of the matter is that the whole world is concluded in unbelief. And we'll see that in a minute. And that's how God was able to bring this mercy to it. But by the same token, once this mercy, this, this, this dispensation of grace is gone, well, what's left? The whole world now is, 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 uh, is ripe for the wrath of God. The whole world lay, lies in unbelief and the salvation of God isn't with anybody. The salvation of God is with a, with a small remnant of, uh, of Israelites over there, but it's not with the nation of Israel. It's with that, that little flock again, that kind of budding nation that's going to be born soon. But the fact of the matter is that the whole world is just going to be laying there wicked and, and, and naked before God and ready for His wrath to be poured out due to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So uh, when this dispensation is over, when the times of the Gentiles, uh, the fullness of the Gentiles become in, well, that passage we just read about in, in Isaiah chapter 6, the cities are laid waste and desolate and, and, and those things then the salvation of Israel comes in. So when the fullness of the Gentiles become in, that's, that's at the rapture. And however God's going to mark that, uh, whether it's he's got a certain number of body members that he wants, and he says, okay, click, that, that's, you know, congrats, like, like in, the, uh, in the supermarket, right? You're the millionth customer. <laughs> you're, the, you're, the, uh, you're the 10 billionth, or you wouldn't be the 10 billionth, but you're the billionth member of the body of Christ. Yay, you know, let's throw confetti and we'll meet the Lord in here. Or, um, or it's time. Okay, time's up. Now you had a certain amount of time for this dispensation. Now it's up, it's done. Or it's the apostasy of the church. Or it's a combination of all of those things. God knows when it'll be and why it'll be when it'll be. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Another Isaiah passage. Uh, we won't go back to it. Uh, it's in chapter 59. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So you've got, don't be ignorant of this mystery. And then once this mystery is done, is fulfilled, then things will start happening as it is written in verse 26. Then prophecy comes back. So you've got the mystery there in verse 25, until that's fulfilled, until the fullness of that comes in, then all Israel is going to be saved as it is written. Listen, Israel is, is, uh, is not getting saved today as it is written. Israel gets saved today by uh, individual Jewish people, like individual Gentile people, becoming members of the body of Christ. Well, that's not how it was written. But Israel will be saved one day, all Israel. 
shall be saved as it is written there shall come out of Zion the deliverer where is he delivering them from well he's delivering from their sins but also from the uh, from the trotting down of the Gentiles that we just read about and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant unto them that's the new covenant when I shall take away their sins as concerning the gospel that's this dispensation is what he's talking about and the and the message of it in particular believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the uh, uh, the cross of Christ for salvation they Israel are enemies for your sakes enemies of who enemies of God enemies of Christ enemies of the gospel enemies of the body Yes, 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 and yes. They, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies. But listen, come back to, uh, come back, remember chapter 5. Come back to Romans chapter 5. The nation of Israel are not the friends of God as they once were today. They are the enemies of God. You know, you uh, people still today, Christians, um, they look at uh, uh, Jewish methods of interpreting Scripture and, and uh, Midrash and, and different uh, whatever else the other names uh, for Jewish kind of philosophical interpretations of Scripture, and they think, well, these are the people of God. You know, this is their book. They they you know they they know what to do with it. Well, listen, obviously they don't. <laughs> Because if they knew what to do with it, and if they if they interpreted Scripture uh, according to godliness, they wouldn't be in the fallen position that they're in. They would accept Christ and see Him and recognize Him as their Messiah. How are you going to go back and uh, and 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 follow uh, Jewish interpretations of the Old Testament when the whole Old Testament is pointing you to Jesus Christ, and they don't see it? So. While we're spending all this time saying, look, don't be anti-Semitic, and that's what Paul is saying here, and don't boast against Israel, and don't go hating those people, and don't go uh, cursing them or treating them uh, uh, somehow different than any other unbelieving person, while we're doing that and loving Jewish people, remember at the same time that these people are Enemies, just like the Gentiles that you run into. You wouldn't go out into the street and ask some passing unbeliever to interpret the Bible for you. Don't go uh, following the interpretation of, of, of that fallen nation either. Uh, but here, Romans chapter 5, you remember verse uh, 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by His life. So we were enemies, right? Paul tells the Ephesians, remember that you being in time past Gentiles and so forth. He tells the Colossians that you were uh, uh, enemies in your mind by wicked works and so forth. So we were. the, the point here is we're all enemies. When he says that Israel... Uh, is concerning the gospel, they are enemies. What he's saying is they have fallen to the place of the rest of the world. That's what he's saying. He's not marking them out as some kind of special uh, devils, but he is clear that uh, that these people are not the friends of God. Back in Romans chapter 11, in this dispensation, Israel uh, is an enemy just like the rest of the unbelieving world. 
But you see here, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. What does he mean by that? Well, he's going to explain that in the next few verses. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. So God, uh, look at the next verse, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God chose Abraham. And he told him that, that in thy seed all nations would be blessed. And, and he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And them that bless you I will bless. And them that curse you I will curse. And he picked out and chose Abraham. And he gave him promises and covenants. And he loved him and chose him for his own. And then he gave him a, a, a child. And, and that child had children. And the seed of Abraham, those that that root, the fathers, that root of the olive tree, is still good. And God, uh, He says, as touching the election, they are beloved for for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's sakes. And I've said to you before that Israel's position in the world today is that of beloved enemy. What does is, what is Paul say? Well, what did, what did the Lord say? He said, It is written, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Right? So this is what God does. He has beloved enemies. How many beloved enemies you got? Paul tells us the same thing. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. And don't repay evil for evil. And, and, and overcome evil with good. Love your enemies. Um, they're below for the so they are uh, enemies for our sakes. They are as touching the gospel, this dispensation, but as touching the big picture, the overall uh, program, as touching the election. They are beloved for the Father's sakes, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now look. Uh, this whole idea that uh, that God is through with the nation of Israel, you know, God is is not a God. Come with me. Get uh, get Galatians chapter three. God doesn't go back on His word. Now, now imagine or or, or don't for just a second what the, what uh, what kind of uh, uh, mess we would be in if God. If the, if the gifts and calling of God were not without repentance. I mean, you and I, we've got a calling. And we've got a gift. And what if God one day, when, just, when it was just about all over, said, ah, I don't think so. That wouldn't be good, would it? We'd be in a heap of trouble. Well, he didn't do that to Israel. He promised Abraham that he was going to have a seed. And that seed was going to be blessed and it was going to inherit the earth. And people say, well, yeah, but Christ is Abraham's seed. Look, here, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one, into thy seed, which is Christ. Well, there you go. See, the seed of Abraham is Christ. So that means the whole nation of Israel and everyone that came from the, from the loins of Abraham can just be chucked right off into hell 
Because the seed is really Christ. So God led that nation from the time of Abraham through generations of people who lived and died through millennia to build a, 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 a culture and a, and, a, and a nation and a civilization and, to, and to, to bank their eternal souls on this idea that we are the seed of Abraham. And then, in the end, God comes back and says, Oh, is that what you thought I meant? No, 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 I didn't, I didn't mean all that. You misunderstood. No, listen, God is not some cruel uh, jokester in the sky. You know, Sandy and, I, Sandy and I talk about praying for patience a lot. And, and you'll hear people say, don't pray for patience, because if you pray for patience, God will send you tribulation. Because tribulation works patience, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that is, that's kind of like, that's along the lines of, of what we're talking about here. That kind of, uh, that kind of uh, three wishes kind of a thing. You know, whatever the context, whatever the story, somebody in some way, form, or fashion uh, finds a bottle or, or, or does something and gets three wishes. But then be careful what you wish for, right? Because, they, because you wish for something and, and the power that's granting the wishes, you know, takes you super literally and then gives you something and you, and you go, well, no, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said. And then and then and then you wish for something else and it gets even worse and you you know that story's been told a thousand times. Listen, God is not some some cruel jokester in the sky that that uh, says, "Oh, you want patience? Ah, oh, here, take this." You know that's listen. God doesn't need to be throwing tribulation into your life. There's plenty of tribulation in the world and, and in your life now. Pray, pray for patience. Pray for patience because it'll help you get through the tribulation that you're going to have to go through anyway. But my point to you is that God did not lead these people to believe one thing and then pull an ace out of his sleeve and say, Oh, I don't know, you, you misunderstood. Listen, is the seed Christ? Yes, the seed is Christ. But is the seed also the, uh, the, the children of Abraham? Yes. Come back to Acts chapter 3. Galatians, if you're ever in this discussion with somebody, remember Galatians 3 and Acts 3. Galatians 3 is the seed is Christ, and that's what they're going to show you. And bless God, it is. But that statement is not an exclusive statement. That statement that the seed is Christ... Paul is not saying that the seed is not Israel. He's saying, look, God left the door open back there to bring you in. How did He do that? He did that by a very careful choice of words. He didn't say seeds. He said seed. Now you and I both know that seed can be singular or plural. You can have one seed... Or you can, or you can sow seed out in your field, a bunch of seeds, right? And still, seeds can't be singular or plural. Seeds is only plural. Seed can be either or. So God very carefully chose His words, what He said to Abraham, to fit us in. And the wonder of, uh, of God's plan and that He had this in mind all along, that's what Paul's bringing out. He's not saying Israel's not the seed. Uh, Acts chapter 3, Peter talking to, to the Jews. And he says, um, 
verse 23, And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people, quoting Moses regarding Christ. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, that prophetic program, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So who is the seed? The seed is Christ, and the seed is these folks. See, the gift and the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God didn't didn't uh, go back on the promises that He made to that nation. That nation Israel is going to be saved because that promise was made to Abraham and to his seed. And regardless of what the uh, uh, the amillennial church out there who wants to call themselves a spiritual Israel, regardless of what they say, God is not through with this nation. And Paul says, I want you to not be ignorant like they are, lest you be wise in your own conceits. God doesn't go back on His promises. Dave, yes, sir. What if they renounce the seed? Renounce the seed. Christ. Individual salvation is not what we're talking about here. Anyone who... Uh, who renounces the seed. Listen, Paul's not saying that all Jews are saved. He says all Israel shall be saved. And that nation is going to be saved. All of it. But listen, all of it's going to be saved because the unbelieving portion of it is going to be burned up. And when the Lord returns, all that's going to be left is that believing remnant and not many of those because most of them will be beheaded uh, and killed as well. But when the Lord comes back, all Israel is going to be saved. All of them that are left, they will be saved. Absolutely. Then they will go They'll be resurrected into the kingdom. Into right. The kingdom. Yes. Right. So so that nation's going to be saved, you know, by, by hook or crook. God God promised. And and he's going to see it come to pass. And he's not going to violate his his righteousness just like he didn't violate his righteousness uh to save you and me. He's going to do it. Uh he's going to save those that are saved by faith, but he's going to do it in such a way that the whole nation is going to be saved. He's going to wipe out that unbelieving nation along with all the other unbelieving nations when His wrath falls on this earth. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So don't get the idea that God's through with that nation. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Paul, we, we've been talking about this passage of Scripture being a dispensational passage. And right here at the end, he really kind of packs this uh, last these last few verses full full of dispensational language talking about the mystery and afterwards that which is written here he's talking about what happened in time past and but now in verse uh, 30 ye Gentiles in times past have not believed God yet have now in this dispensation obtained mercy through Israel's unbelief 
They didn't believe. Had they believed, the kingdom would have come in and the Gentiles would have been uh, uh, wiped out and those that were left would have been uh, subject to the nation of Israel. We obtain mercy through their unbelief. Even so, so just like that, even so have these also now not believed, now in this dispensation, not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. See, what did Paul say? Um, I, I, I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. God's purpose for, for the Jewish people today is that they be saved. Same as any, everyone else. So, so what Paul is saying here is, look, you were unbelievers, enemies in time past. Now you've obtained grace through Israel's unbelief. But at the same time, they unbelieved so that you could get that mercy so that they could have mercy. Because, again, had they not done that, that the, the prophetic program continued, that was not a time of, uh, of mercy. There's time. There's long-suffering in this dispensation. For those folks who were broken off back in that generation, and all those who remain broken off today to be saved by grace in this dispensation. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, Jews and Gentiles, the whole world. He did the Gentiles way back in, 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 uh, at, at the Tower of Babel. We read about that way early in the book here in chapter 1. Then he set aside the Jews, and we've been studying that, and he's concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. See, the whole world was concluded in unbelief so that God could form the dispensation of the grace of God and, and have mercy on that unbelieving world before His wrath and judgment, before the, uh, before the mop and bucket come out and, uh, and make a clean, uh, clean sweep of all of these, uh, these things. God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, that's a, that's a pretty amazing plan, isn't it? That is, a, uh, that is the, the plan of God. You think, you think that angels could have, uh, could have gotten together and said, okay, you know, how do we, you know, how does God redeem man and maintain his holiness and maintain his righteousness and still forgive sinners? How do you get that done? You think angels could have come up with that? You think we could have come up with a plan like that? And never mind, don't never mind, but aside from the salvation itself, this, the, uh, the dealing with the unbelief and the sin of all humanity, after he gave uh, the rain and food and, and, and provision to the whole world, they rejected him. Finally, he set them aside, calls out one man, and blesses even more abundantly that one nation and, and does everything uh, uh, possible for its benefit and its spiritual growth. And it continues to buck and, and, and rebel 
and they're stiff-necked and hard-hearted and finally they uh, have to be cast off too and then to take that situation and turn it into a dispensation of grace of absolute righteousness by gift to that to that whole world of unbelievers that's uh, that's an amazing plan and then to bring the Gentiles in through Israel's fall so that the Gentiles could get in so that once they were in the Jews could get in because the mercy had had uh, had come in so God figured out a way to have mercy on his people after all as a Gentile used to go and get saved through Israel. Now Israel gets his, their mercy through the Gentiles' salvation. And the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. You know, Ephesians 3.8, and we, won't have, we don't have time to go there, Paul talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. And and again here he he mentions that word. Now that word unsearchable here is not the same word as Ephesians three eight, but past finding out is. <laughs> so so it's there. It's uh, just a, a different nuance of translation. And the idea of unsearchable. What do you search? You search the scriptures. When Paul talks about something being unsearchable, he's saying it wasn't there. It wasn't there to be found. You couldn't search the scriptures and find it. The unsearchable riches of Christ are not uh, are are not in the Old Testament. They're not in the Gospels. They're in uh, they're they're now revealed. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out? For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor, or who hath first given to Him, and it shall be recompensed unto Him again? You know. Paul says, who hath known the mind of the Lord? And he's, he's, he's quoting the prophet there. And you know what he says to us? We know the mind of the Lord. We have the mind of Christ. Um, look over a couple pages in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You see, what Paul's talking about here, he is talking about the, the, the glory of this plan that, that he just gave us a kind of glimpse into and how wonderful and awesome the, uh, the, wis- the wisdom of God is that devised this plan. But what he's bringing out more in this doxology at the end of Romans chapter 11 is the... The, the nature of the mystery. The, un, the unsearchable uh, nature of it. The glorious nature of it. When he says, who hath known the mind of God, he's, he's talking in, in this context here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse um, 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And he's talking about, in verse 7, the mystery. 
the hidden wisdom that God ordained before the world unto our glory. But God, verse 10, hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Who knows the mind of the Lord? Well, no one but the Holy Spirit. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual Paul says, I hadn't seen, ear had not heard, it hadn't entered into the heart of man the things that God was going to do here. But we know it. And Paul says, the words that I'm saying to you are the Holy Spirit revealing God's mind that He kept hidden back there. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, so when Paul says, who hath known the mind of the Lord, He's not just saying, look, God is, is infinite and His understanding is so huge that no you know, uh, mere creature could even approach to you know, understanding what God understands. All of that is true. But the point that he's bringing out here in, in Romans chapter 11 in this doxology has got to do with the glory of the mystery and that it was kept hidden from man and from angels and from devils uh, until it came time to reveal it. And when it came time to reveal it, it was revealed uh, to be as glorious as, as it is. This is the plan that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit talked about before the world began. This is what they said, here's what we're going to do. Here's how this is going to work. We're going we're gonna to create this world and, and, and bless it. And these folks uh, foreseeing God, foreseeing Adam's uh, sin, He knew what they, those people would do, that they would rebel against Him by their nature. And He said, we'll set them aside, we'll call out one man, we'll make a nation out of Him, and we'll bless Him. And He too, will uh, his, his nation, His seed will rebel and we'll set them aside and it'll give us the opportunity to create this dispensation of grace where they can all come in and have mercy. Abounding grace. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That was the plan. That was the plan. The mystery. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? Or who hath first given to Him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. You know, we, we give to the Lord, right? But you can't really give to the Lord, can you? That's 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 kinda like kinda like my kids giving me back some of the food that I that I put on their plate. Here you go, Dad. Well thanks, that's nice. They gave that to me. Well where did it come from? You can't give anything to God. All you can do is give back what was his to begin with and was never yours anyway. 
who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto, unto him again. And for of him, and through him, and to him, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. God is the source. And He is the uh, the upholder and the maintainer. And He is the end of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. It's all about God. And it's all about His glory. And He uh, set this thing in motion. He carried it through. And He is going to bring it home. To whom be glory forever. Amen. That is uh, the end of chapter 11.